Our need for finance is far greater than our need for protection. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. The subject that we will be discussing today concerning the infinite banking concept is going to be the idea that the ends justify the means. So recently I've been thinking more and more and realizing more and more. Again, Nash would talk about different levels of learning. You know, we're, we, we're going to avoid the arrival syndrome at all costs, thinking I know it all, I've done it all, and we're going to keep learning. I've decided to be a perpetual student. And in thinking about the relationship between when someone is getting a properly structured whole life policy with a mutual company that pays a dividend to be able to implement infinite banking into their household or their business or their investing, whatever it is that they're doing, they are going to benefit from a relationship between the coverage, the death benefit that they get by owning a permanent whole life policy. So in my mind, when I say the ends justify the means, what I'm saying is that the death benefit, the face amount of a policy, is the end. Now, for a properly structured whole life policy with a mutual company that pays a dividend, that future death benefit has a net present day value in what is loanable from a policy, for example. So the cash values, the money, the capital that we accrue and that we build by paying premiums to a policy that we only control, the cash value of a policy is the net present day value. So that is, in my mind, and in this analogy that I'm laying out for us, the means the means of what? Well, the means of finance. Nash said our need for finance is greater than our need for a death benefit. But the interesting thing is that you can't have one without the other. And nor is it the case, like Dave Ramsey and others would say that, well, if you know you shouldn't get whole life, you should you should buy term and invest a difference because whole life is twenty times more than term and when you graduate, when you die and pass on, they keep the cash value and they only pay uh, the face amount. And that's just, that's such a uninformed, and, and I don't know which to suspect, and I'm not going to draw any conclusions. I have a lot of respect for the man as, as a businessman, as a family man, as an entrepreneur, a best-selling author. He's done, I want to give all credit where credit is due, but that statement is erroneous or malicious, one or the other. It's, e it's either misinformed, and it's just said from a place of ignorance, and that's fine. I, I don't know everything about everything. Again, I've already mentioned, I want to be a perpetual student of life. I'm going to keep learning. Others can decide what they're going to do in that area. But I want to keep learning. And we're going to have a discussion here about some learning points. But that statement is either said from a place of ignorance, meaning just simply not knowing, and that's fine. There was definitely a time in my life where I didn't know that either. I'd never heard or thought or read or studied or applied. That might be the biggest one. Applied anything concerning 
banking and privatized banking, and I didn't know a lot about insurance, and most folks don't. Again, to reference Nash, he would say that most people's understanding of whole life insurance is based off of someone else's misunderstanding. So when someone says that an insurance company keeps the cash value and only pays the face amount, they're simply either not understanding, not aware of, or they are uh, maliciously trying to misguide the true relationship between cash values in a policy and the death benefit. When you buy a permanent whole life policy, you are mitigating risk. You are offsetting risk to those that you care about, the financial loss that they would experience in your absence. So the death benefit, the end result, a tax-free transfer of wealth to your heirs or beneficiaries or whatever organization you care about, that death benefit is represented net today in the cash values. So without the future and significantly much larger death benefit, there would not be the smaller today's value, net present value of that future death benefit. And also <laughs> vice versa. So there's a relationship between the cash values of a policy that you can access that capital on your terms and conditions privately with a phone call or an email. It's, it's a beautiful thing. You can use these properly structured policies for your need for finance, your banking function. The banking function as it relates to your life can be satisfied by building a system of policies that you own and control that ultimately culminate in a tax-free transfer of wealth via the death benefit. So there's a relationship between having a death benefit of X amount of dollars, and I don't want to focus on the dollars because the both numbers, the, the death benefit and the cash value, they could be small, they could be big, small or big for you as well. That's going to be relative. But the relationship between the death benefit and the cash values got me to reevaluate this idea of the ends justify the means. And I know that that's a saying that people have, but I can't even remember what prompted me now, but that's part of the infinite part of the infinite banking concept is it's only our imagination that limits how we can apply the infinite banking concept. So when I started thinking the other day and I started writing these notes down about the end justifies the mean, you know, without that end result of a death benefit that our heirs or beneficiaries would receive tax-free, there would not be the means to provide for our need of finance today. Outside of this idea of you can become your own banker, you can practice the infinite banking concept, you can be the banker in your life, Outside of that, financing only happens one of of two ways. Either we borrow someone else's money, we are beholden to them, to their terms and conditions, we're going to expose ourselves to two years of paperwork scrutiny and a blood test, a drug test, giving away our firstborn, donating a kit, whatever, whatever that looks like. And all of, and look at your statements, I've had them before, the interest dollars that forever leave our homes, forever leave our businesses that we're paying to use other people's money. So 
conventionally and commercially financing things. The other way is we ourselves discipline ourselves to amass and build up and accrue our money, our capital, without touching it, can't, can't, and this that's such an overlooked point for, for my cash is king folks. The idea of borrowing from a life insurance company by being part owner in that company, might I add, <laughs> these are mutual companies that we're talking about, so you as a policy owner are a part owner of that company. But even with that aside, have a hard time getting past this borrowing word by saying, well, I like to pay cash for everything. Well, think about how you do pay cash for everything. And I would agree that paying cash is better than being beholden to someone else's conditions and paying interest dollars that forever leave you. But you have to put that money somewhere and not touch it, which means that you are missing out on, you might not be paying interest, but you're missing out on the opportunity to earn interest on your money. Your money has a worth to it. And if you don't think so, would you let me borrow some at 0%? Okay, you see what I'm saying there. So the second way of financing something conventionally is you set money aside, don't touch it, and then there comes a time when you have enough for what you want and you liquidate it, it is gone, and you get the thing financed that way. But again, if you want to be able to pay cash for the next thing that you do, whether that's buying your next vehicle or fill in the blank there, whatever it happens to be, you still have to systematically put money aside and not touch it, not use it, and you miss out on that EVA, that economic value added, again. So you're perpetually missing out on growth of your money by not valuing your money. So the only answer outside of those two conventional ways is becoming your own banker, accounting for the banking function for yourself in your household, in your business, in your investing, whatever it is that you are already doing. So the ends justify the means. The death benefit, whatever that is, justifies today's net present value of that future death benefit. And that cash value is what we can access to be able to finance our vehicles or college educations or weddings or vacations a lot of the a lot of the shuns words <laughs> educations vacations medications um to provide for our need of finance the ends justify the means this relationship and recognizing how it works how it's set up is a crucial point that really is not addressed it's missed completely in the world of personal finance. Nobody's out there talking about, that's not aware of the infinite banking concept anyway, uh, by R. Nelson Nash in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, as, as laid out there. No one's talking about the banking function or our need for finance. When, we're, when we are told to buy term and invest the difference, we're not talking about what really matters. We're not talking about everything that we are financing, everything that we're financing. See, I, I don't care which route you want to be able to take, whether it is buy term and invest the difference, eat beans and rice, set aside three to six months of a savings, double down on the mortgage payments. I don't, and I'm not disparaging that, 
follow whatever system you want to. I'm promoting the idea here today that you can become your own banker in that. And, and then on the other end of the spectrum, my folks that are, oh no, OPM, credit galore, uh, borrow other people's money to be able to create assets and, and pay for my liabilities that way. Fantastic. Either either of those or any anything else. Fantastic. In all of these scenarios, my question remains, who controls the banking function in your life? And when we can account for that, and we recognize the value of having our capital accessible, liquid, where we can access it for our need for finance today, also while building up an eventual tax-free transfer of wealth and passive income into the future with a lot of tax-deferred and tax-free benefits, protection against litigation, inflation. There's so many different things. Private control and ownership, guaranteed growth. There's so much there. So the banking function just is, so start asking yourself, well, what is it I'm doing now that I could begin to envelop the banking function in that, whether it's running your household or it's a part of your a business. I was just thinking about some folks earlier, uh, some prospective clients, and they take incredible vacations. And I love seeing their photos of these amazing places that they go to and the things that they do. And obviously, my 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 thinking goes into like that's. I don't care where you start. The whole idea here is you become your own banker. But if we if we just considered vacations for a second, again we go back to these scenarios that are options to to, to choose from. Do we put that on a credit card and pay someone else interest on their terms and conditions to be able to enjoy that vacation? Or are we thinking, well, nope, not me. Cash is king. And we set aside money for weeks or months or years or whatever that happens to look like. And we lose the opportunity to earn on that money while it's accruing and just sitting somewhere. The money has a home. Our capital, our money has a home. Where's that home? Well, if we're putting that in a coffee jar, there's pros and cons to that. If we're putting that into our checking account or savings account at the commercial bank, there's pros and cons to that. But we forfeit the opportunity to earn on our money and still have access to it at the same time. And the third option, owning a properly structured policy that provides us with this future death benefit that inherently gives us access to cash values today means that we still have this perpetual, uninterrupted growth trend of compound interest growing and growing and growing to this eventual tax-free transfer of wealth, this death benefit going to our beneficiaries. But we can access the capital today for our need of finance today. So if you're vetting this idea or you're already a client, let's let's consider this relationship of the death benefit, the cash values in a policy that we own, and how the ends are what is justifying the means for us. So that leads me to another thought. Nash in his book says that really what we're talking about here is a policy with as little death benefit as will also provide us a great opportunity to fund in a significant way a policy where we would have cash values 
significant enough to impact our need of finance. Now, inherently, though, we need to recognize also that in this relationship between cash values and death benefit, a death benefit can't be nothing because what kind of cash value would that represent? Less than nothing. <laughs> okay, so the larger then that the future death benefit will be, the larger the cat, and again, properly structured with a mutual company, that pays a dividend. That matters, I have to say that. These are the kinds of policies that, that I own, and, and we, we own six. My wife and I, we own six policies as of the time of this recording, and over the past several years, we have um, been building a system of policies for our need for finance. And with each of those policies, we, we would have a starting point of considering, okay, what amount of death benefit do we want on this individual that we are protecting? That's, that's necessary. Now, again, Nash says, and I agree, that our need of finance is greater than our need of a death benefit. But you also have to consider, it's like, in the event that I have an early graduation, I know, I know my wife and my family will sorely miss me, but it, in getting beyond that to, to specifically, financially speaking, they would experience a great loss financially as well. We should mitigate that potential, that risk, to protect my family, and, and we have, and, and we'll do more in the future as we are able, as, as much and as often and as, um, in as grand of a way as possible. But we've been building this system of policies considering getting protection and a significant amount of protection, which again would also allow us to have a significant amount of cash value in our policies. And that just systematically allows us to account for more and more of our financial footprint and our need for finance. So what are you already doing where you can account for your need for finance? What do you want to be able to do that you can account for your need of finance? Again, I was talking with another prospective client uh, earlier this week, and he was talking about business ideas that he wanted to be able to transition into, perhaps. He already has full-time employment, has a, a side job that's good for him, side business. He, he works for himself side business and, and he was thinking about branching out and we're talking about scaling things and getting getting into new new areas and there's 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 a lot of benefit in considering not only what is it that we're doing but what is it that we are likely to do or that we want to do and then the next question is well how can we account for the banking need there because Nash said everybody should be in two businesses if, if you're a contractor for example the next business you should be in is in financing your contracting. So being in two businesses, accounting for a need of finance, and the end will justify the means. The death benefit that we get will justify the insurance company telling us, well, as of today, your net present value of your policy, if you were to surrender it, for example, today, which, again, it's a beautiful thing that all the options are there for the owner of the policy, but this is the net present value today of your policy, and you can access that capital via policy loans tax-free to provide for your need of finance. So I hope that I'm conveying well that if you are vetting this idea, 
that there is a relationship between the death benefit of a policy, which is the, the tool, the entity that we're promoting best for you to use to practice the infinite banking concept. There is a relationship between the death benefit and the cash values of your policy. And if they are both significant, which they should be. Again, I was talking with a, another client yesterday and we were talking about how when we come to numbers, and it doesn't matter whether this is your first policy or a subsequent policy, but when we're talking about numbers, and I'm not going to tell you what your number should be. I'm not going to tell you how much premium you should be paying. I think that if you're educated enough, you'll be able to arrive at that yourself. Now, I'll, I can make some suggestions, and I will let iron sharpen iron. But I would say, I would, I would preface thinking about what number makes sense for you by saying it should be doing everything that Nash said when he talked about some characteristics of when practicing the infinite banking concept, we need to use our imagination. We also need to be reasonable and logical. So in thinking about a number that, that makes sense for you, it probably needs to be pretty ambitious. It probably needs to be so imaginative that you raise your eyebrows and, and take a big breath and have to have a conversation with your spouse about it and and that it that it be imaginative for you, that it stretch your thinking. But also it should be grounded in logic and reason. It should make sense for you. Now, I found the case to be that that I started with a number that was significant for me at the time with my first policy and the premiums that I was paying. And, and that, that was that was that was one of the biggest checks, maybe the biggest check that I had ever written in my life up to that time. But it was less than a year later when my wife and I were applying for a second policy that we realized that what was so big at the time was just a step in the right direction, that it was a part of our system of policies that would eventually allow us to account for our entire need of finance, to be able to account for our entire financial footprint over our lifetime. So I'm encouraged by a quote from Stephen Covey. He says, start with the end in mind. It's actually in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. And starting with the end in mind. So when we start with the end in mind here in this conversation I would say let's because if you're if you're a prospective client or, or a client we we have spoken about or will speak about what amount of death benefit is appropriate for you to be able to protect those that that you love that's that's important that's necessary and because we address that adequately by talking about significant premiums to get you significant results that that end result by starting with the end in mind, that then gives us that inherent opposite end of the relationship, which is the cash values that allow us to account for our need of finance in the here and now. And that whole process obviously just gets more and more efficient over the course of time. I mean, when you see that on holidays, weekends, through recessions, depressions, global shutdowns, wars, pandemics, etc., that there is day over day compound interest growth taking place. That is a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing, that cash values just go up no matter what. 
That's a beautiful thing. I don't know where else you can get that. So Nash did talk about the need of a system of policies. There is an inherent relationship between the death benefit that we acquire for ourselves and therefore the cash values that we have access to, to use for our need of finance. And even with a first policy, that can begin to satisfy some part of our need of finance immediately. And by immediately, I mean like within the first 30 days, within a, within a month of a policy going in force, we, we want to be using that for whatever your need of finance is, if you want to. Now, could you likewise be just acquiring capital for opportunities in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had a couple of good conversations here over the past week, especially about clients that have had opportunities just present themselves because they had capital on hand and they were able to maximize some some good opportunities for themselves. It's a fantastic thing. So, when I when I interview also prospective clients, we're going to be we're going to be talking about these things. So I think that's beneficial for you to know that it's it's necessary to talk about what amount of death benefit would be good for your people. What what do you want that to look like? And and when you arrive at, at what what you want in that area, be about it. Be about it. You know, I had I had somebody that I look up to very much put it in terms uh, that I could relate to. He said, he said, when, when you, when you start, when you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. So, so when you've, when you've arrived at knowing, even if you don't understand everything, but you've arrived at knowing I want to become my own banker, be about it. When you've arrived at the idea of providing protection for those that you love, be about it. You know, the time is going to go by either way to be sure. Whether we live or whether we graduate, won't we be better off either way practicing becoming our own banker, practicing this infinite banking concept? So IBC is not the end. It's where to start. By starting today, accounting for our need of finance, recognizing that firstly, and then implementing a process and acquiring an entity that will allow us to do so, to keep that money in our family, in our business, in our investing. So IBC is not the end. It is where to start. But on the same token, the ends justify the means. So I hope that this has been helpful. Let me know down in the comments what stuck out to you, if you would, please. And if you'd like to have a conversation about how to implement or learn more about this infinite banking concept, then you can reach me at 828-817-4223 or you can email durhamtalents at gmail.com. This has been a great pleasure for me. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day. Take care. Where was I going with that? Oh, there's so many good points that I just blank out. Ah, what was it? See, I mean that literally in thinking about this blah, blah, blah.